Hey there, welcome back to the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am glad you're joining me here on the Bible and Life. My goal, my heart behind this, I say it virtually every week, is my goal is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. And what I mean by that is just down-to-earth Bible teaching that's in the language of everyday life, that's rooted in the context of everyday life, with the goal that we can follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life, that just knowing the Bible is not enough. The goal is to heed its message and to put that into practice in our life. That's what it means to be a disciple, to let Jesus teach us how to do life. And at the center of that is listening to his word and then taking the wisdom of his word and putting that into practice. So my heart is to help us do that by teaching the Bible in a clear, down-to-earth sort of way. Now, before we jump into the topic for today, I just want to give a little update. I sent out an uh, announcement, both on the podcast as well as via email, um, about a special project that had come my way, a great opportunity, and that was uh, to have the Listener's Commentary website completely rebuilt so that it'll be done professionally. Hopefully, it'll integrate all the stuff together. It'll work completely smoothly, the way more the way I envision it, and it'll be a great step forward into the future for the Listener's Commentary and the whole Bible and Life ministry. The Listener's Commentary uh, if you only listen to this podcast, the listener's commentary actually gets about eight times as many downloads a month as this podcast does. Um, it's been growing exponentially, and the Lord's really been blessing that, which speaks to, I think, uh, a real need for and a hunger for just clear Bible teaching straight through books of the Bible. What is this book about? And that's what the listener's commentary does. And I'm creating a study hub to go along with that that'll help uh, really... Uh, integrate my online courses and provide supplemental material beyond the audio so that you can both learn how to study the Bible on your own and so that you can have a bunch of resources there to hopefully help you do that. Well, I've, I was given this opportunity um, by a kingdom-minded web development company to rebuild that website at a fraction of what it would normally cost. So I sent out that update by podcast and by email last week, and you guys absolutely blew me away with your generosity. And so uh, it's only appropriate for me just to pause and just say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. The project, the upfront cost is completely covered. Some of the Monthly management and hosting fees are covered for a while, and I am incredibly grateful to you for your generosity. So thanks a ton for that. Now, the reality is uh, this ministry is not yet fully funded. Like We still need several hundred dollars, bare minimum, just to even get close to making ends meet. And that's sort of the, the challenge of doing an online ministry where people donate and we're relying on that sort of thing that... We put this stuff out there. I want to make it available for free. I, I want to make as many people have access to it as possible. And yet, I am dependent on God's provision through people like you. So thanks a ton for supporting the web development thing. But if the Lord is still laying it on your heart, leading you to support this ministry in some sort of financial way, just know there's plenty of need that we're not even fully funded yet for our bare minimum monthly expenses. And so if you could set up a monthly recurring donation, you will get access to the new and improved study hub and website when it's completely rebuilt. Um, as a monthly donor, everyone gets complete access to that. Man, I'd actually love to make the whole study hub completely free if if somehow 
uh, people's generosity would completely offset the cost of everything we're doing. But uh, as a monthly donor, you would get access to that. And so I just want to let you know that uh, and that we have plenty of need for that. So if you're able to help uh, monthly, if the Lord is leading you to help in some way, uh, every gift, whether $5 a month, we have people to give that much. We have people to give $500 a month. Um, any gift of any size would be immensely helpful. So thanks for your generosity and thank you for supporting this ministry and may the Lord really bless you for it as you seek and as you serve him. Now, over the last few weeks on the Bible and life, we have been looking at the topic of the Holy Spirit. I really grew out of some questions I got uh, from uh, friends, family, and listeners about the Holy Spirit, and we have just been exploring that together, and we're going to wrap up that short little five-part series on the Holy Spirit on this episode. Now, the fact is an awful lot more could be said about the Holy Spirit, right? Like We could talk about the Spirit's role in creation. The Spirit was hovering over the waters and was there in creation. We could talk about the Spirit inspiring the Scriptures, and there's just a lot more that could be said about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit. But what we set out to do was to answer two questions. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what difference does He make in our Christian life? And if you listen closely to those questions, both of them, um, uh, the questions are worded very carefully because of what we've already said about the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not a power. He's a person. He's one of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, three persons in one God, right? And he is one of the persons of the Trinity. So he's a who. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what difference does he, again, he's a person, he make in our Christian life? And so those were the two questions we set out to answer. And what we have uh, tried to show over the last handful of weeks is that the Holy Spirit is central to our Christian life. He's not peripheral. He's central. He is uh, God with us in the present time. And his presence with us is one of the new things that marks the age of the Messiah. Now that Messiah has come, now that Jesus the Christ, the Messiah has come and he has been uh, risen from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the Father, the Spirit has been poured out and God's Spirit is now God with us in a very intimate, unique sort of way that he wasn't prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. And so he is God's presence with us now, and that's that, that gives us n new power, new ability in the age of the Messiah that people prior to the coming of Jesus just didn't have access to. And so he is now God with us, knitting us together into one people of God. We didn't look at this passage, but 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where uh, that we are all one because we, we have the one spirit of God living in us and among us to unite us together. So he is now God with us, knitting us together into one people of God and God's spirit with us or God's presence with us, transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's his central role in our Christian life. And so what I want to do in our moments together on this podcast, this episode, is I want to look at just two more texts out of the letters of Paul that emphasize the importance and centrality of the Holy Spirit 
in our life as followers of Jesus. The first is Galatians chapter 5. It really is a, a perfect follow-up to the last two episodes that we looked at uh, out of Romans chapter 8. And those that passage there, Romans 8, is all about walking with, walking by the Spirit, that he's now our walking partner in life. Well, Galatians 5 takes and uses that same imagery, but I want to begin in verse 14 to set it in context and explore what Paul is saying there. This is what Galatians 5, 14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is dealing with an an issue in the churches of Galatia about the role of the Old Testament law. And there has been people that have come into the church churches of Galatia and have basically told the Christians, look, unless you keep the Old Testament law and embody that in the marks of the Old Testament law, things like circumcision and food laws and the ritual calendar and all of that, if you don't do that, you're really like a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. That's what's going on in the churches of Galatia. And Paul has been combating that idea and showing why it's false all throughout the letter. So at this point, he brings up the law and he says, and here's the thing, the whole Old Testament law is actually fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the central theme, Paul says, of the Old Testament law, and it's aiming really at helping us keep that commandment. Uh, and then he said, in, in, in context of the original situation for the Galatians, what he's getting at is, like, if you do that, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're actually carrying out what the law really was aiming at. But, verse 15, he says here, if you bite and devour one another, if you keep bickering and arguing and fighting over who's really spiritual and who's really not, who's really in the kingdom of God and who's really not, if you're all fighting about all this stuff, guess what? Take care, he says, that you are not consumed by one another. If you're biting and devouring and picking at each other and arguing with one another and putting each other down and creating camps and groups and factions and all of that, if you do all that, guess what? You're going to be destroyed. Your church is going to be ruined. And sadly, that has been the case over and over again throughout church history. When we actually act that way, we ruin ourselves. We destroy ourselves. So that's the, that's the setup for the bit about walking by the Spirit. He is calling us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love one another in the family of God and not to bicker and argue. Then he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And in context of verses 14 and 15, he's clearly insinuating there, implying that the abiding and de devouring of one another and just being destroyed by that is a desire of the flesh. That's a fleshly way of life. That's a fleshly ambition. That's the merely fallen human way of uh, living together and interacting with each other. So he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And when he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not, interesting little grammatical note that's not obvious in the English because you can't really replicate it in English. You could do this in Greek, but you couldn't do it in English, and that's this. Literally what he says is, walk by the Spirit and you will not not carry out the desire of the flesh. He actually has two different words for not. Um, in English, you can do that. You can't put two negatives side by side. It doesn't really work that way, right? 
Uh, but in Greek, you could. And when you did that, what you were really doing was emphasizing this, right? And so what he really says is walk by the Spirit. Make the Spirit your walking partner in life. Uh, look to him continually throughout the day. Talk with him throughout the day. Those things that we have talked about in our last two episodes, right? Like center your life in walking. Go about your life in partnership with the Spirit. And you will not, not, you will definitely not carry out the desire of the flesh. Do you want to love one another the way you're supposed to? Do you want to love your neighbor as yourself? Do you want to be done biting and devouring one another, Paul is saying? Well, then what you need to do is walk by the Spirit. And what we see, if we were to keep reading all the way down through Galatians 5, is that walking by the Spirit for the Apostle Paul is sort of like the fundamental prerequisite Christian command. That yes, there are lots of other instructions, things we're told to do in Paul's letters and in the rest of the New Testament. There's plenty of other instructions that do this, do that. But for the Apostle Paul, what he believed was kind of the fundamental basic prerequisite instruction was walk by the Spirit. And walking by the Spirit is what makes all the other instructions possible. So, do you want to do you want to fulfill the aim of the entire Old Testament law? Really? Uh, oh, Galatians? Well, then don't worry about getting circumcised. In fact, he'll go on and say in chapter 6, circumcision is neither here nor there. What you should do is walk by the Spirit. Then you'll actually love one another. Walk by the Spirit, and you'll have patience with each other. Walk by the Spirit, and you'll have joy in your interactions with each other. Walk by the Spirit, and you'll learn how to be gentle with each other. That's the thrust of what Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter 5, picking up particularly in verse 16 and following. He actually goes on in verse 17 and says this, Here's why it is. That if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Why is that? Well, because the, the desire of the flesh, it's against the Spirit. And the Spirit, well, what it desires is against the flesh. The desires of the flesh and the Spirit are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. You can't just live the Christian life and do whatever you want to do. Uh, you need to walk by the Spirit and then you will actually not fulfill the desire of the flesh because the flesh's desires, the desires of fallen humanity, are contrary to the Spirit's desires. And thus, if you walk by the Spirit, you, won't, you will progressively and increasingly um, desire the things of the flesh less and less, and your desires will be shaped increasingly and progressively by the Spirit. As he, as he becomes your walking partner and your companion in life, he rubs off on you, and it becomes a transforming friendship, a transforming companionship. And he changes our desires and makes us into new people progressively and increasingly from the inside out. And so that's why walking by the Spirit or the Holy Spirit himself is so central to our Christian life. All the other things that uh, we are called to do as the people of God in Christ are empowered by and made possible by our walk with the Holy Spirit. So walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's the first text I wanted just to kind of explore briefly with us on this episode. The other one is Ephesians 5. So we just looked at Galatians 5. Now, now flip over to Ephesians 5 and 
specifically Ephesians 5, verse 18. One little line, and it's an interesting little line, um, but it's really important for thinking about the centrality of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine. All right, there you go. Don't get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery. We get that, right? Drunkenness leads to all sorts of bad decision-making, bad activity, bad things. Don't get drunk with wine. There's debauchery there. But in contrast to that, instead of that, be filled with the Spirit. So don't be full of wine um, because that's going to lead you into debauchery. Here's what you should be filled with. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting line. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't we already have the Spirit? Like, is there more of the Spirit to get than what we got when we first became followers of Jesus? Like, I thought I already had the Holy Spirit. Is he, like, holding out on me? Like, what does this mean, be filled with the Spirit? Well, here's what I think this means. When you read this, uh, the be filled is a present tense command in Greek. And one of the things in the Greek languages is when you have present tense, sometimes the tense has less to do with time and more to do with kind of action. So not when the action happens, but what kind of action it is. And a present tense command like this means continual action. In other words, continually be being filled with the Spirit. Like this is a continual part of your life. You're continually allowing God's Spirit to fill your life, to fill your days, to fill your mind, to fill your heart. Um, and so our walking by the Spirit needs to be a continual return to. Like we live in a world with so many distractions and so many things that speak to us, so many things that vibe for our attention and that can occupy our mental space and our heart space, right? There's just so many things that fill our, our mind and our activities and our time that what this text is really saying is, we need to routinely and regularly and continuously return to a place where we're allowing the Spirit to fill our life, to fill our heart, to fill our field of view, that the Spirit and His presence and His life fills us so that we can live the Christian life. And if you keep reading in Ephesians chapter 5, it actually says in one of the effects of the Spirit filling our life, not even individually, but corporately, filling us together as a corporate people, is singing songs and encouraging each other by means of those songs and teaching each other by means of those songs that the Spirit doesn't just fill us individually. He's also meant to fill us as a collective group of people so that together we're praising God and celebrating God and reminding each other, even via song, what it looks like to walk uh, in the way of Jesus. And so we continually allow the Spirit to fill us individually and corporately as the people of God so that we are reminded of who we are and we can be empowered to live it out in this present world. And so in this way, the Holy Spirit is central to living as disciples of Jesus. He is what uh, enables us and empowers us to become the kind of people, individually and collectively, who do the works of Jesus right in our sphere of influence.
And so while, as I, I think I mentioned clear back at the beginning of this series, um, we're more familiar with the Father and we're more familiar with the Son. And as Gordon Fee has said, a lot of us by practice end up being practicing Benetarians instead of Trinitarians, right? We Father, Son, we kind of forget the Holy Spirit. We need to bring the Holy Spirit back into the centerpiece of our relationship with God because he is God now with us, God walking with us day by day. And we need to routinely and continuously fill our life and our mind and our heart with the Spirit, with his presence, with his power, with his priorities, with his things as we walk in partnership day by day with the Holy Spirit. That's a key part to being God's people in this world at this present time. All right, so there you go. Uh, Christian people are spirit people being led by the spirit, filled with the spirit, walking by the spirit on a regular basis. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bible and Life. We are going to take next week off from The Bible and Life podcast. So no new episode next week. I'm working on a new series. Got a lot of irons in the fire right now. I want to give myself a little bit more time to get that series organized so I can actually give you some really helpful stuff and not just pull something together. So going to take one week off of the Bible and life. And so two weeks will be a new episode from today. No new episode next week. So thank you for being part of the Bible and life family. Thank you to those of you who prayerfully support this ministry. May God bless you and may he lead you by his spirit for his glory. I look forward to talking to you in two weeks. 